Hi guys, welcome back to a brand new episode on Explore the Orbis. I am super excited about this episode because this is going to be an absolute personal journey. In fact, ever since I woke up in the morning, I have been thinking about how excited I was for this episode because a lot of work went into it, right? And before I actually delve deeper into uh, understanding what we are going to talk about today, I want to just state something very beautiful, a thought that came into my mind in the morning as I woke up. So I grew up in a middle class family and my dad is a government employee. So because of which we moved around quite a lot. And owing to those numerous transfers over the years, I got to experience something extremely magical and that magic was the experience of culture the culture of cities in the rawest forms and till late it surprises me i have uh, relocated quite a lot and it surprises me that something as simple as art language food habits history they have such a deep impact on the identity of a city and also the people that are born and brought up in that city i love how cities have been fabricated as unique as human beings have been and which is why i'm so passionate to take you on a trip across the world and show you the beauty of culture the beauty of stories and the impact they have on human life So I actually spent a lot of time researching about this episode because I know very little about the Buddhist culture but you know as we all know all of us are learners here so I am learning along with you while I'm talking to you and I'm conversing with you So today I'm going to discuss uh, the widely known and heard Jataka tales and before we delve any deeper into understanding the roots of these stories the origin of these stories i actually wanted to walk you through some of these significant details to the background of what jataka tales are actually all about just to set the context jataka tales are actually considered to be the most significant part of a buddhist culture and they are a collection of anecdotes fables based on the life of bodhisattvas the bodhisattvas were actually incarnation of lord buddha before he achieved enlightenment or before he was born as siddharth now now that we already know who bodhisattvas actually were we have to understand that buddhism has developed into a very dynamic and a very complex religion so to spread the values of such a dynamic religion jataka tales were used to perpetuate the values of buddhism now these stories narrated the life of buddha before he reached enlightenment so we have to understand that these stories were the life of somebody who was attaining moksha who was going to attain moksha and all the virtues that he had in that process 
So these stories in various creative ways reflected these lessons and illustrated the path of Buddhahood. But instilling the value system starts very, very young. So we know that a value education for children cannot be done in isolation. And if we have to kind of accustom them to the to the belief system, to a particular belief system, then we have to start extremely young. And education has to be set in the world they are accustomed to, they live in. So I like to believe that there are some core values that have to be developed in every human being to bring out the goodness of mankind. And these values are nurtured, developed in the minds of young children so that the world tomorrow is a peaceful place to live in. And some values are eternal and timeless. They have passed on through the years and they will continue doing so in the coming years. I want you to pause and think about your childhood. Pause and think about all the virtues that you were taught ever since you were kids. And to imbibe those values in us, our parents would craft stories to tell us about the virtues that would make someone a better human. I want to take an example here. My father is actually a very strict disciplinarian. And to tell us the value of honesty, he would keep recollecting a particular event from his childhood that taught him the value of being honest. He told how once a shopkeeper had given him back a bigger sum during the rush hour and he had returned home happy with his earnings. When he showed his father, which was my grandfather, his father gave him a tough time for not being honest. Our fathers, mothers, grandmothers told us stories to tell us that the path of righteousness only led to a happy and fulfilled life. So when you have such value education at an early age, I feel like it provokes you to follow some virtues in your life and also pass it to your kids and your grandkids. Which is why I like to believe that all of us are on a spiritual journey in our life with virtues that we hope to manifest. And you'll be surprised to know that most of us do manage to imbibe these virtues with actions. But of course, there are people who struggle throughout their lives to kind of manifest these virtues. But there's a saying by Aristotle that I really like, which goes, the moral virtues are produced in us neither by nature nor against nature. Nature prepares us on the ground for the reception, but their formation is the product of habit. Habit, persistence is what it takes to be who you want to be. And some of the greatest virtues never happen overnight. I've seen it, practiced with sincerity, practiced with dedication. And I feel like it applies for anyone on the path of enlightenment. To be truly aware of your thoughts, words and even actions 
to truly detach yourself from material excess and destroy craving, aversion and delusion. Such a human being takes the middle way. The middle way is a life in which only the basic needs are fulfilled, never more, neither less, a perfect balance. So after this, you gain immense knowledge about yourself, about the universe and knowledge that is way beyond the understanding of a common man. And that is when you attain moksha. The bodhisattvas are on this path of enlightenment, but being altruistic in nature, they take on the duty of helping sentient beings. They are empathetic and thereby they seek enlightenment not just for themselves but for others. A selfless human being, a human being who can think beyond themselves is truly a bodhisattva. Someone who can devote all their power to alleviate the suffering of all living beings is truly a bodhisattva. So bodhisattvas take four important vows to ensure the happiness of all living beings. And they are as follows. However innumerable sentient beings are, I vow to save them. However inexhaustible the passions are, I vow to master them. However limitless the teachings are, I vow to study them. And however infinite the Buddha truth is, I vow to attain it. These vows actually represent how engaged bodhisattvas were in the society. They were actively struggling, not just to change themselves, not just to attain knowledge, but they wanted to make the world a place where happiness flourishes in the hearts of all beings and there is peace in this world. So the Jataka tales describe the life of bodhisattvas and they explain the transcendental virtues that are needed for attaining moksha. So these tales were nothing but they were yet another way to spread the message of the middle way and they highlighted the sacrificial life of a bodhisattva, directly telling the people, the listeners, what was needed of them, what virtues they needed to have, what ways they needed to mend, to be on this path of life, to be on the path to attain moksha. So these tales were a composition of over 500 tales written in the ancient language of Pali. The Jatakas are actually amongst the oldest of Buddhist literature dating back to the 4th century BCE. So just imagine how much time, since how many centuries these stories have been told to men, women and children and they still continue to tell people about the virtues, about the ways of a bodhisattvas and what they needed to do to themselves be on the path of the middle way. So the origins of these tales are unknown but many of these tales are actually set in the city of Banaras and uh, that is a city in the north central India by the river Ganga 
and it is one of the oldest cities in the world. I sometimes wonder as to how these tales might have been written, what context might have been there, and the circumstances under which they might have been written. Extremely interesting. You can actually reach out to me on my Instagram, that is at Explode the Orpus blog, and tell me what your theory is about the origin of the Jataka tales. So now I was actually going through uh, the examination by a scholar called uh, T.W. Rice Davids. And in the 1911, he was actually one of those first people that thoroughly examined the Jataka tales. And uh, he described the text as I quote, full of information on daily habits, customs and beliefs of people in India and on every variety of the numerous questions that arise as to their economic and social condition, which tells us strongly as to how each of these stories reflected the reality of the world people lived in. The social conditions, the economic conditions, the habits, the customs, everything was not fantasized, was not something that was out of the blue, was not something that was not imagined by normal people. These stories were based on the life of normal people. And I feel like this is exactly what adds charm to the Jataka tales. So I will not stop to say that these themes are rather dark because they are and we know that reality can get really brutally dark and it's not sugar-coated and which is what is very important for us to understand why such why such stories why such tales have such an impact on our lives is because how much we relate to it how much we understand the depth of it and how much we draw a parallel of our life with the lives of the characters in those tales so if you clearly understand what T.W. Rice David says, you will also notice that the central characters are archetypes of everyday life. And the lead character, of course, is always an incarnation of Buddha, which is a Bodhisattva. And there's a pattern in which every story ends by imparting wisdom and by the bodhisattva acting on these virtues or by his subordinates or people around him or characters around him acting on these virtues which is what is very important the stories reflect strongly the impact of acting on virtues these stories aren't just limited to india because when i was also reading about the aesop's fables there were a lot of stories, in fact, that were common between the Aesop's fables and the Jataka tales. So these stories aren't just limited to India. They have traveled across regions, across time, and they've gone through constant refinement. And centuries of retellings in these Theravada Buddhist monasteries, painted walls, and proverbs that were circulated as belief narratives surrounding these Buddhist stupas and these Buddhist stories and these Jataka tales. And uh, they have actually shaped worldviews and till date, they continue to do so. The impact they have 
on the common lives of men and women and children is something that is worth speculating about close your eyes and think about it all of us at some point of time might have heard or might have come across any of these aesop's fables or even the jataka tales and these tales are not just mere texts for us anymore they are life forces and they provided tools for us to reflect on our everyday situations and this is not just limited to children this is not just limited to adults this is applicable to everybody every living being on this entire universe so i actually want to recite one of the most significant stories that has been very important to uh, jataka tales and they have been uh, retold in these uh, stupas as paintings and sculptures and that is of the mahakapi jataka which is the great monkey king the himalayas are always known for their varieties of flora and fauna furthermore the manifold varieties of flora are known not only for their riches but also for their medicinal purposes in the heart of a himavat there was a large tree which bore excellent fruits even bigger than the palmyra nuts having exceedingly sweet flavor lovely hue and fragrance which no man had ever seen or noticed before but this tree was also the abode of several monkeys and the bodhisattva was born as the king of these monkeys he was much larger in size than his followers but was more compassionate was more virtuous than the others so one day the monkey king noticed that a branch of the tree had grown just over the stream it alarmed him because some of the fruits might drop in the stream which then might get carried away to the man's world and the men would then certainly come to have these fruits for themselves so the monkey king instructed the monkeys not to let any fruit grow on that branch the monkeys tried to follow the instruction of their master yet one fruit was left out that fruit in the course of time ripened and developed its fine color taste smell and softness and became loose in its stalk when one day it dropped into the stream being carried down the stream it was stuck in the net of a fence of a king who was having fun with his women there the delightful and the delicious aroma of the fruit soon spread all over the place its odor was quite different from the women's perfumes and the other cosmetics decorative flowers and garlands or from the intoxicating drinks it however charmed every visitor there bewitched with the smell of the fruits the women enjoyed its prolonged inhalations with half shut eyes the king too was charmed so they rolled their eyes all around to look for the source of the fragrance and finally detected it stuck in a net the fruit was unique in its colors and odor size and shape and texture that no man has ever seen or heard before so the king got the fruit tested by his experts and having found it non poisonous he himself tasted it and then remarked 
Nothing could surpass the flavor of this fruit. He then ordered his men to hunt for the tree in and around the river bank which bore the fruit. Soon the king's men found out the tree laden with such delicious fruits. But when they saw the monkeys enjoying these fruits, which their king wanted to have so eagerly, they attacked the monkeys with mercilessly with volleys of arrows. Witnessing the approaching attacking royal soldiers, the bodhisattva jumped on a mountain peak, which the other monkeys were not likely to copy. There, in order to save his friends, he seized a strong-rooted tall cane with his legs and bending it towards the tree, jumped back and caught hold of the branch of the tree. He then called upon the other monkeys to use him as a bridge to jump upon the mountain peak. Taking advantage of the situation, all the monkeys jumped on the mountain and darted away quickly. The monkey king was, however, terribly bruised and injured by being trampled by his mates while he was acting as a bridge for them. Soon he swooned. The king watched the flight of the monkeys and also the plight of the monkey king. He was greatly moved by the exemplification of such insight, courage, valor and sacrifice which an animal had just displayed to save the lives of his subjects. The king then ordered his men to delicately bring down the unconscious ape and gently placed him on a couch to render the best possible first aid. When the great monkey king regained his consciousness, the king asked him to explain as to why he endangered his life for his subjects who were rather meant to serve or sacrifice. Like a guru, he then said, O king, verily my body is broken, but my mind is still sound. I uplifted only those over whom I exercised my royal powers for so long. And before the king could utter some words of praise for the great monkey, he found him dead. And that's the end of the story. It's moving as to how the great monkey king laid down his life and left us with a strong message. I want you to sit down and retrospect for one moment and think about why the great monkey king did what he did. And would you do the same thing? Would you have the courage to do the same thing if you were in his place? It's a strong message of being sacrificial and protecting the brotherhood. There will be times, there will be times in life where you will be required to step up for the betterment of those around you. And this is a lesson for us that we should because it leaves us with a virtue of courage, courage to look after your community. The supreme sacrifice performed out of Compassion by the evolving Buddha is something that we need to inculcate within ourselves to understand when is the right time to do something for our community, to be sacrificial. For the Buddha incarnations, compassionate acts are spontaneous and they shape the evolution towards perfection. 
Can't we as human beings be as spontaneous with our acts of honesty, of love, of compassion? But there's also another strong message that sticks with me, which tells me that virtues are fulfilled when followed by action. And when we act, we evolve. So it's not just about saying that, yes, I'll be a compassionate person or I'll be an honest person. It's about acting on it in our day-to-day lives. It's about showing people that we are compassionate. It's about being transparent and honest in our relationship is when we act on the virtue of honesty. There are actually various depictions of the Mahakapi Jataka across Madhya Pradesh in several Buddhist stupas. And what we see in these monuments and sculptures is a civilization that remembers and honors and celebrates supreme sacrifices done not out of bravery, but out of compassion towards the weakest of the weak and poorest of the poor. The ideas, the values of Indian spiritual heritage has been circulated and absorbed through rich storytelling traditions. And it not just applies for our Indian spiritual heritage, but for everyone across the world. And I feel like a lot of these tales have intermingled through geographical times and time zones to enliven perspectives and shape worldviews. Sometimes it feels like all of us come from just one place. We are just segregated by these various countries and cities with different names. But at the essence, all of us are actually very similar to each other. We have worldviews and they have evolved at every turn of time. But nonetheless, the value system remains the same. I grew up listening to Jataka tales. My grandfather, an English teacher in a government school, too was a fan of tales and stories. And the things he taught us with the Jataka tales still date have a deep imprint on my mind, shaping the person that I am and the value system that I believe in. The authorship of the Jataka tales are unknown, but I like to close my eyes and I believe that a poor merchant would have told these tales about monkeys and crocodiles so that he could put his stubborn child to sleep. I like to believe it would have been recited on courtyards of homes and villages when people came together after a long day. I like to believe that they have been recited in the courts of great kings. I like to believe a traveling storyteller like Aesop took these stories to far lands, enlightening people with the wisdom of the bodhisattvas. And I like to believe that these stories traveled across geographies and through the stretch of time, when on one hot afternoon, my grandfather recited these to me. So... That was the end of this episode. I hope, I really hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I loved making it. And if you did, please drop me a message on my Instagram page at Explore the Orbis blog and let me know what you feel. Even if you have suggestions as to how I can improve and what new things I can bring in, then do let me know. Until next time.